You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the Public Health Pharmacist Podcast with Dr. Christina Madison. Dr. Madison's mission is focused on spreading knowledge about public health to create better communities. The Public Health Pharmacist is a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hey guys, welcome to the Public Health Pharmacist Podcast, now part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I have an amazing guest with me today, Dr. Griffin. Um, I have been a huge fan of Dr. Griffin for many years, um, as we have both been working in women's health and are huge supporters of ACCP, very active within their PRNs and leadership positions. And I am thrilled to have her join me today on the podcast. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and let Dr. Griffin give a little bit of introduction for herself before we get started with our questions, because I have many. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, Christina. I am so psyched to be here. I've been looking forward to this for a few weeks now. Uh, we did meet through ACCP PRN and uh, you being chair actually inspired me to run for the chair position myself. So thank you for being such a great leader to follow. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited to dive into some of these questions. Fantastic. Okay, so let's get right into it. So how have things changed for you for the good, the bad, or the ugly uh, (laughs) as it relates to the pandemic? I feel like I've been really inspired by all of these amazing female leaders that have really pivoted and been able to do so much in spite of the pandemic. I actually think in some cases, because of the pandemic, it gave them this motivation. And you have just been all over the place with your 21st Century Farm D. And I just absolutely love what you're doing for mentorship and for our next generation of pharmacists. So tell me what's what's going on in your world and how things have changed for you during the pandemic. Wow. Well, thanks so much for that. For me personally, I'm a serial optimist. So I tend to see the bright side of almost any situation, but the pandemic obviously tested that greatly. Uh, so I, the things, the positive things I can take away are definitely spending more time with my husband and my two children, lots of games, lots of family nights, uh, lots of just quality time. And we tend to like each other a lot. So it, it, it benefits us and it's, it, that's going really, really well. Um, I think less commuting has also helped give me some more time for some habit stacking, which I know is a a popular term right now, but I've I've always exercised. But now that I don't have the commute, I'm able to add on like yoga and meditation on top of the exercise. So less commuting time has offered me some time for that. And I've also found a new way to connect with people. Uh, Last uh, spring, I led a mastermind group for pharmacy students. And last summer, I led a mastermind group for pharmacy faculty. And it was just a way for us to connect in an era where we felt like it was very hard to connect with anybody. Uh, So that was also another positive out of 2020. Fantastic. And as far as like your clinical practice, um, how have things changed as far as like your interaction with patients? Um, I, I definitely would say that you are 
you know, so visible and so much of an advocate for our next generation of, of pharmacy professionals. But um, I know you like patient care, just like I do, and you're very much a big supporter of women's health and um, and public health. Uh, and so how, how have things changed for you in that regard? Well, since I was promoted to vice chair about five years ago, I've only been in clinic one day a week. And then okay. from March until June, the clinic moved to telehealth. And then end of June, early July, we started going back into clinic and seeing patients face-to-face again. So we've been doing that since July. Fantastic. Do you feel like your ability to care for your patients has been negatively impacted because of the pandemic? Or do you guys feel like because you were able to pivot to telehealth that you were still able to kind of maintain that quality? It's interesting because I feel like Although some patients were afraid to leave their homes and come out into the clinic, they were very eager to switch their appointments to telehealth. So that has been a positive. So we didn't necessarily have to count it as a no-show. Sometimes we could just call the patient and change it to a telehealth visit, which has been helpful. Nice. I'm sure that's probably a big benefit from a billing standpoint as well, because Medicare changed the ruling so that we, you know, there were certain things that are now acceptable as a telehealth visit that weren't in the past. Um, So I think that's really great. Um, So just wanted to maybe talk a little bit about your leadership journey. So you said that you um, became vice chair about five years ago. Uh, I think our listeners would definitely benefit from hearing about kind of what your journey is, especially as we are now entering into a new era where we have a new vice president that is a woman. Um, I always like to talk about, uh, you know, women in leadership and and women in, in roles that will help inspire and create new leaders. And so, uh, you know, I think we're, we're still, we're still having challenges with getting to the point where we have more representation, uh, in leadership that looks more like the population, but in general, I think it's great to see, uh, other women, uh, and women leaders. So if you want to talk a little bit about how you got to where you are, that would be, I think, super helpful for our listeners. Yeah, great. Thank you. So, At uh, Midwestern, where I work, I've been fortunate that all of my leadership all the way up to the top are all female. So it's been very easy for me to see myself in leadership roles within the university. So that barrier locally wasn't necessarily there. What happened was I was in and around working in a few different ambulatory care clinics around Chicagoland. And at the university, a vice chair position became available. And the focus of this vice chair position was going to be on clinical services. So really helping to manage the relationships and be the liaison between the clinical sites and the college. And as anyone knows who's trying to balance a clinical site with academia, a lot of stressors come into play. You feel like you have two bosses a lot of the time. Uh, You feel like you've just got two full-time jobs in one. So I understood what the pressures were being in that environment. And I looked forward to trying to help problem solve and brainstorm how to do it, how to do it better and how to do it differently. So uh, thankfully I was promoted into that role and it's been a wonderful experience. And when I first got promoted, I was really obsessed with this idea of leadership and I just wanted to dive in and learn everything I could about leadership, especially within pharmacy. So if a pharmacy organization offered a leadership certificate or a course, I took it. APHA, ACCP, AACP, ASHP. I mean, you name it, I took the course. 
And uh, it all comes down to this, really, when you define leadership, the best definition that I could find is really leadership is self-development. And we know that in the leaders that we follow, the ones that we tend to follow are the ones that have just a strong sense of self. And uh, so that is something that I've been working towards and I'm still on that journey. It's just, how can I create a stronger sense of self so that I'm able to lead effectively? Wow, that's amazing. And I completely agree with you hundred um, percent. I can't tell you how many certificate programs I've done myself. Um, so that, that journey and that uh, thirst for self-development I think really is important when you're thinking about taking on leadership positions. I also always wonder about, you know, seeing an opportunity and maybe not realizing whether or not it's a perfect fit for you and just kind of being okay with taking that leap of faith, even if it's not exactly perfect, but, you know, seeing that something could be what you want it to be um, if you just, you know, took that leap of faith. So I think that's amazing. Uh, one of the things I also wanted to chat with you about is sort of your love of mentorship and how you came to create the very inspiring 21st century pharmacist platform. So, and I believe you guys just had your first anniversary, like not that long ago. Was that somewhere in November-ish, I want to say? Yeah, it started with just a weekly blog. So that anniversary yeah. was actually in August. And then the Facebook group, the private Facebook group started in November. So we just passed that one year anniversary too. And it, it really, I was inspired to start it a couple of years ago when I was precepting several groups of academic pharmacy students in their last year of rotations, you know, months before they were about to graduate. So I had several different rotation blocks in a row, several groups of students. And I decided to do things a little bit different with this academic rotation and really spend some one-on-one -on -one time with them talking about their career uh, development, their, uh, their, um, what their ideal career looked like. We did a book club together on the book, They Don't Teach Corporate in College. I brought in some alumni to kind of talk about some of the life lessons they learned over their careers. And really what I discovered is that it didn't matter if I was talking to students who were high achievers, ones with high GPAs, ones who are residency bound, or if I was talking to the students who were just barely getting by, several common themes started to emerge that they were all curious and hungry for these self-development topics, things that they would get outside of the traditional pharmacy curriculum, because all pharmacy curriculums offer professional development in some way, yet they were still yearning for topics on personal branding and networking and mentorship and just how to survive uh, outside of these four walls of pharmacy school that they've been so accustomed to. And I don't know if it's a generational thing. I don't know if it's um, the way the pharmacy education has changed, maybe a mixture of both. But what I was really looking for is I, I was looking for someone to turn these students to and say, well, okay, well, go read this or go watch this. And this will help you bridge pharmacy school to life after graduation. And I couldn't find anything uh, specific that was kind of outside of a traditional pharmacy curriculum, because obviously they could go back to any professors that they felt like they could connect with or any mentors that they've um, they've connected with along the way. So I just decided to start myself and really think about what are the topics that I'm interested in and how can I maybe take a pharmacy twist on it? So if you read an article in Forbes about networking or mentorship, but then put the pharmacy spin on it, or if I read something in Harvard Business Review on why meditation can impact your career, you know, how can I put the pharmacy spin on that? So that's really how I write my blogs and how I'm 
how I just created this space. It's just a virtual platform for personal and professional development. And it's really morphed from just pharmacy students into other types of trainees, residents, fellows, and even some pharmacists. And like last year, I mentioned I led a mastermind group for pharmacy faculty because I feel like we're just looking for some additional support outside of our traditional ways. And that's what I'm hoping to provide. Well, I, I also have a personal connection um, to your, your amazing blog. So when you were first getting started, um, you actually asked for recommendations for students to feature on the blog, which I thought was, again, another amazing opportunity because I think oftentimes our students um, don't get those kinds of opportunities. So I just wanted to thank you again for featuring one of my students. And so uh, amazing leader within his class um, started uh, our LGBTQIA chapter here at Roseman. And I just, I can't thank you enough for that opportunity and the fact that you saw that there was this void and created space for it. So I completely agree with you. Um, no one tells you about business and pharmacy school. They don't, they don't tell you how to start your, your own company. They don't tell you that you need an LLC or that you need a lawyer or what, what to do for entrepreneurship. So I think you're, you're just doing such a great service, not just to pharmacy students, but to the profession, because we are evolving and we are changing. And I think that the pandemic has really taught us that, right? That we are at this precipice within our profession that we could, you know, use this as a launching point to really advance the profession or we may end up being stuck where we are. So I'm hoping that we really can fulfill that, you know, the prophecy of things to come. Um, and we can really utilize the fact that we are being leaned upon heavily during this pandemic to help support the public health efforts to get our communities healthy and, and back to some sense of normalcy. Yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned and you recommended Rithi. I mean, he was a podcast guest on season one and he was an amazing guest. And what I loved about interviewing all the students in season one was that they were all inspiring in their own unique ways. And we know our students have these amazing stories and we know that they're very resilient and they come from very different backgrounds and experiences, but they don't always have the opportunity to share that story. And, and just, I love the idea of giving them some visibility, but also letting it inspire whoever whoever's listening. And, and for a lot of times that was me, I would get goosebumps and sometimes teary-eyed at some of the stories that they would share, but they're, they're here and they're in pharmacy school and they're ready for the next chapter. They're ready to impact this next the next uh, phase of pharmacy as you're describing. So um, yeah, so I got, I think even more out of it, <laughs> out of the podcast than maybe, maybe they did, but um, I loved it just the same. And uh, just a fun fact, um, speaking of, you never know uh, who's watching, you never know what your impact makes. Um, he's actually now um, my practice site. We are opening up a new clinic and we opened a pharmacy and he's now our pharmacy manager. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> so you never know. You never know like what the interaction will be. And he he kept wanting to come back to the site because he just felt so comfortable there. And he 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 was always one of these students who was just a great student in general. But I think just being able to feel like he could be his authentic self and really be part of the community because so much of 
my practice is focused on the care of those that are sexual and gender minorities. He's just like, whatever I can do, I, I need to be here. And so he was able to create that. And my provider was so open to having, you know, one of our former students that had come through, he, he was like, give me a list of all the students who, who rotated with us and I'm going to open this pharmacy and I'm partnering with uh, another pharmacy group and I will only choose from those students because I trust them. And I wow. know, I, and I mean, like that's never yeah. happens, right? Like, Right. Yeah. I got, I got goosebumps, not only because, you know, he's able to live his authentic self and serve in that way and serve in the way he wants to serve, but also because I've also heard this quote about your next opportunity, that your next opportunity is going to be attached to a person. It's not going to be some random link on a job website. So this is a perfect example. Give me a list of names. You know, that's how we're going to get our next opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I, I honestly could just like talk to you forever, but I, I know that your time is valuable and I know you have more, more uh, students to impact and things to do. So I'll just ask a few more questions. Uh, so th- this question I've been asking a lot of my guests and I think it's, it's more just because I feel like we're, in addition to healthcare being at this precipice, we're also at this precipice right now within our country and within our culture that we're seeing more attention paid to health equity as well as racial injustice and implicit bias. And I just wanted to see kind of like where, where you're at with that and how you feel like that's maybe changed, how you're interacting with your students or even how you're interacting with your colleagues. Um, I know that the death of George Floyd was life-changing for many people. Um, and I think we've all had different reactions to it, but I think my, my biggest take is that I need to be more forthcoming with my experience as a person of color and just making sure that I know that my students that are also POCs know that they're supported and that they can come to me if they feel like something is wrong or off or how can we make things more inclusive? So I know that's kind of heavy, but um, I just, I feel like the more we talk about it, the more we normalize it, the fact that there is, there is bias, there is racism. It's been declared a public health crisis by you know, by the WHO. And I, th- I think we all need to figure out a way to talk about it without feeling uncomfortable. No, I'm glad, I'm glad you asked because if we stop talking about it, then we stop talking about it. So thank you for the question. I think for me, it's just comes down to self-awareness. Just dig deep, uh, be honest with myself about my own implicit biases. And that's something that anybody can do is just what else can you do to learn? And right now, because of this quote unquote wake up call, uh, there is a plethora of educational opportunities and ways to learn videos online, ways to talk to your children. So my advice, and and when I say advice, I mean for myself, (laughs) is really just go to the CE, listen to the talk, get the books, read the books, talk to people of color. That's, I think, how we're going to get through this and not stopping the conversation. Um, I have a, just a quick story. I was in a 
uh, kind of a mentor circle in 2020. And right after George Floyd's murder, we had one of our monthly calls and uh, there was one person of color in the group and um, no one was really talking about it, except that, you know, everything, there's a lot going on in the country right now and everyone is really stressed. And she made a point to say, if you have colleagues who are people of color, reach out to them, ask them how they're doing right now because they're not doing well. And it was just the first time that I had heard that that would be okay to do, that you can reach out to your colleagues and friends of color just to check in on them and ask them if things are okay. And not that I ever needed permission to do that, but it was helpful for me to hear that from a person of color, that that would be meaningful to them as an ally or as a white person. So, um, and then the other thing that really struck me too, it's a, it's a quote that I heard recently and I just pulled it up on my phone so I wouldn't get, so I wouldn't miss a word. It's by Mr. Ahmed Nurali. It's a privilege to educate yourself about racism instead of experiencing it. And I think that's just something that I wanna take with me that um, I have the privilege to educate myself about it and I shouldn't, I shouldn't let that pass. I should go to the CE, I should watch the videos, I should go to the programs. Well, thank you. Thank you for your candor. Thank you for your honesty. Uh, I, I agree with you 100%. And I feel like a lot of my colleagues didn't know how to approach the subject and talk to me about it. And, or they would say things like, well, you, that doesn't really impact you, or like, that's not really a problem for you. Like, because the fact that I've been able to be educated and go on and get my doctorate, that that somehow makes me immune. It doesn't. I mean, I've experienced racism pretty much every day of my life, you know, and unfortunately it's, it's become so much of a part of my daily routine that it's, it's almost to the point where it's just something I, I live with and I don't, I don't call it out as much as I should. Um, and I think that's also part of why we're having this reckoning right? Because there's so many people who feel like, well, you know, this statement is not, you know, a microaggression or is a biasy because they're like, well, I've been doing this for years and nobody said anything. It's like, just because we didn't say it didn't mean it didn't happen. Right. So right, right. that's that supportive nature and that thought of making sure that everyone feels visible, everybody still seen, everyone feels heard is going to help us get through this. And if anything, I think, you know, the pandemic has done many things. And one of the biggest things I think it's done has really shown a light on things that were always there, but that we were quietly ignoring because we could, because we, again, going back to your statement about having privilege, we had the privilege of ignoring it because it wasn't impacting us directly. But now the black light is on the sheets, right? Like we can't ignore it. It's everywhere. So, um, so I thank you. I thank you for your candor. I thank you for your honesty. I thank you for your sincerity um, because I think we need more of that. Thank you. Okay. I know we got a little heavy there. Uh, let's talk a little <laughs> bit about, <laughs> about your investment. So what would you say is one of the best investments you made in your professional career? The best way I could think to answer this question was really about investing in people currency. 
So thinking about the people that I surround myself with, are they positive? Are they like-minded? Um, trying to seek out mentors who would help me be my best self and not just point out the negative things that are going that are going on. Because I think some mentors, if they depending depending on the type of relationship you build, they may not realize that what they're doing is only pointing out the things you're doing wrong in order to help you grow. But you also need those mentors that can be your cheerleaders too. So just over time, realizing that relationships tend to be tied to success in one's career and doing whatever you can to invest in those relationships over time. So I think the best thing that someone can do for their career is to realize that no one's doing this alone. Um, so you just have to find your people and invest in them and participate in that give and take over time. All about your tribe, right? You got to have that, that, that yes. inner circle, like those are your people, right? Like, and everybody should be helping to yes. support and uplift everyone else. And it takes a little time. And I mean, obviously adulting is hard. Um, and you get to the point where you're just like, should I trust this person? Should I not trust this person? And yeah, but once you find that like amazing group of people, it doesn't have to be necessarily women. I do. I would say that a lot of my uh, you know, a lot of my tribe happens to be women, but, you know, once you find that core group, it really does help you to kind of like dial into what's important and help you to really get to that next level and be successful. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And when I think about people currency, I think about investing in myself too. And then when you invest in yourself and you have a stronger self, a stronger sense of your own self and your strengths and what areas you need to work on, then your instincts become strong over time. So when you encounter those situations like you described with, should I trust this person? Should I go for this thing? Should I do this next? Uh, you have um, a better kind of foundation to make those decisions. So with that being said, who would you say is your biggest role model or somebody who's influenced you professionally? Yeah, this is a really good question. I, I struggle with just finding just one. And there's probably three people that, that come to mind. The first one is uh, Terry Warhorlock. She's now a professor in um, Arizona. And she was a faculty member at Midwestern when I first started. And she was the type of person that you would go into her office with a research question. And she was just so approachable and she made research fun and interesting. And she never shot down any of my ideas, even the really weird ones. <laughs> and you always left her office feeling like lighter and more hopeful and more excited about research. And that was so important as a young professional. So I'll always be grateful to her. And then my colleague right now, Kathy Best, uh, she inspires me because she Amazing. always makes the impossible seem possible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And probably the most enthusiastic, uh, person that I can think that I can that I've ever met and then uh, lastly uh, Marianne Clay Thermos she was someone I met at Midwestern too she now works at ASHP and she deserves a shout out because she was the only faculty member that seemed to have this work-life integration figured out and when I say figured out I mean nobody has this figured out <laughs> but she was the she was the one that like really enjoyed her work and put a hundred percent in and also made it to the soccer games and never complained about any of it. So in that sense, it provided a role model for me to like, okay, this is, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it my way. And I'm going to put, I'm going to invest my time in this bucket and this bucket and this bucket, because these are the things that are important to me. And she was also such a support through 
a lot of my career transitions, like going from full-time to part-time, being promoted, um, going from different to different clinical sites. So she definitely deserves a shout out. That's amazing. So uh, if I was trying to think, so we talked about career investment, we've talked about mentorship, we've talked about so many things. Um, what is one thing that people don't know about you, but they should? I think one thing that people should know about me that they may not know is that I am part-time, which is extremely, well, it's rare in pharmacy, but extremely rare in, in academia. academia. And I'm <laughs> huge. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And here's why it's important because yes, there's probably a, a hint of luck that was there. Maybe I was in the right time at the right place. And I asked at the right time, but you know, I was the first person to ever request it at my university. So the culture definitely wasn't there. I get that feedback a lot. Like this isn't the culture at my institution. Well, it wasn't the culture at my institution either. Um, and it took time and reassurance and advocating in order to get uh, this position since I had no real evidence that it would work. <laughs> so <laughs> it took a lot of reassuring that I, I was going to be able to be successful here. And since I've been part-time for about 10 years. And since I was approved to go part-time, we've had about four other faculty get approval after me. So I'm very thankful that I was able to open up some doors for some other people. And I'm not, and we're all, we've all succeeded in this role. So not just succeeded, but I, I have to say we're all killing it. And I'm not a boastful person. So I'm not saying it to pat us on the back by any means, but I'm saying it because I think pharmacy leaders need to hear that this is possible. We can think outside the box. We can do different things to prevent burnout and retain our really valuable employees. And we started to create this evidence that we were looking for when we had to create our own proposal. So we actually showed that we produced more scholarship after going part-time than before part-time. So it, it's definitely possible. And it just breaks my heart whenever I give a webinar on it, or if I speak at a national meeting and uh, these young pharmacy faculty approach me and say, this, this wouldn't even be possible at my institution. Well, first of all, you, you have to ask, you have to make the case for it. Uh, and you have to be willing to make some sacrifices because it, it's, not, it's not all easy. It's not all a cakewalk, especially when you work in a very traditional type institution. But I want to let uh, pharmacists know that if it's on your heart, ask for it. And I want to let leaders know that it's possible. Just let yourself think outside the box a little bit. That's amazing. Wow. All of these like little nuggets of like wisdom and pearls. Uh, I, I couldn't even have imagined all of these wonderful tidbits that you could offer. All right. So we are almost at the end and I'm sad to say it because I really don't want to let you go. Uh, one last thing, um, and I ask most of my guests this, if you could tell your younger self one thing that you know now, what would it be and why? I love this question. And I think it's definitely easier said than done, but it would probably be don't worry about anybody else. Everybody's on their own journey. Everybody's on their own path. And I think the comparison game is really strong and it starts early in pharmacy school, but really we all have to embrace our different and realize that what we bring to the table is unique for a reason and just capitalize on those strengths. And again, easier said than done, but I would just, I would really, really love to tell my younger self that. Wow. Amazing. Um, Dr. Griffin, if people want to find you, where can they find you on their, on their favorite social media du jour? Because I'm sure everyone's oh, wow. going to want to follow you after this. 
Well, please connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I, I'm Brooke Griffin PharmD on LinkedIn. And then you can also go to my website, which is 21stCenturyPharmD.com. And that's where I post the weekly blog. And that's where you'll see all the podcast episodes. Fantastic. Thank you so much again for your time. This has been an amazing eye-opening and just breath of fresh air. Um, and I hope that I can have you back on again sometime. This has been awesome. Thanks so much, Christina. Have a fantastic day. You too. Time is our most precious asset, and we thank you for spending your time with us and Dr. Madison, the public health pharmacist. Learn more at thepublichealthpharmacist.com.